And if you have your Bibles this morning, you could turn to Galatians chapter 5. Lord, I thank you, oh God, for uh, the ability to be in your presence, Lord, and to know that you are here for us. Lord, not that we're anything special, but that your spirit presides, Lord, in us. You have saved us for your glory and your glory alone, for your work and your work alone, Lord. And you desire to move in our life, Lord. We thank you for this. We honor you and we praise you for this, Lord. I ask that you stay the enemy this morning. Lord, whatever it is that is hindering us, Lord, from keeping our focus on you, Lord, I ask that you stay that right now. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read one verse. Uh, we're, we're going through 1 through 14, but God has something for us this morning, and I want to give him, uh, I want to give him a free reign. I don't know how else to say it. But of course, we want him to move, but 5 and 14. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you all for standing. Paul has been um, repeatedly warning the Galatians and us alike up through uh, chapter 5 last week, if you remember we started what uh, we call in the letter to the Galatians the application portion. He, he's given us a bunch of theology. He's given us example after example. He's, he's brought us through even the Old Testament uh, with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Ishmael. We're not the son of the bondwoman. We're the son of the free woman. Last week we read verse 1 of chapter 5 that says it was for freedom that Christ Christ has set us free, therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject against under the yoke of slavery. And, and we've started this application portion. Uh, we have a lot of things that's been said to us, but how do I apply that to my life? What does that mean to walk in the Spirit, right? We're about to get into uh, the verses that, that we all know almost by heart, right? The works of the flesh and the gifts of the Spirit. And here we are looking at this. Paul has repeatedly warned the Galatians not to waste their freedom that's been given to them by faith through Christ. Don't, don't squander what God has given us. And I believe that's a very relevant um, uh, message for us even Today, as we see out in the political sphere, in the, the world sphere, we're on the verge of a war that, that is just unbelievable to even think about. Israel is being attacked. Uh, we have our president standing up for the first time in his presidency and, and saying what needs to be said, right? We have a lot of things that is going on, and here we are, the church, and what, what do we do? Right. That's the question that 
that I have this morning and, and it's a burden on my heart. Do we change anything? Do we, do we act a different way, a, a certain way? Is, is this a, a, a time or a season that we should be looking to in the Word of God? And the answer to all of that is yes and no. No, we don't change how we act. We don't change what we do because as the church, we should be about the Father's business. And guess what? God's business hasn't changed. Everything that is happening today is inside the scope of what God has ordained from the beginning of time itself. He, nothing has caught him unawares. The attack on Israel, he knew about it, and he, he prepared those beforehand. The, the address that was given by our president, God knew about that. The way that Putin and, and everything was going was gonna to transpire after that, he knows. Tomorrow, he knows. To next week, he knows. He knows everything, and he has given us this one solemn command that covers everything. You want to know how to fulfill the law? Love people. That's it. What am I to do as the church of Christ in, a, in, in the world that we live in? Love people. That's it. Verse 14. Everything that Paul has been talking about up to this point. He says, to fulfill the law. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement. That's not one word, just one singular word. It's one, one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He goes all the way back to Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. And he says that you want to live as a Christian? Love people. That's it. It's almost the same sense as when he told the Corinthians, I need to get to you and I need to tell you some stuff. And if you could just two, do two things, sustain from sexual immorality and don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. And whenever I get there, I'll teach you everything else. This morning, this is what I'm telling you. We have a lot of unknowns. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. We, some of us don't even know what today holds the rest of this day. Love people. That's what he's saying. Just love People, starting with us, especially the brethren, the Word of God would say, but that's not what we're stopping this morning because it's easy. It should be easy to love us. We're, we're the family of God. And, and we all have our differences and we're humans and we're flawed and, and we have disagreements and we bicker sometimes like family does. But at the end of the day, we're family and it should be easy to love us. And if we're fighting amongst ourselves, we're definitely not loving those that are outside of the camp. Because they're looking at us, amen? And they're seeing us. Paul begins to warn the Galatians and us today as well of uh, another way to waste our freedom. So the first way is to try and put ourselves back under the bondage of the ceremonial law, right? We don't have to sacrifice. We don't have to burn incense. You know, we don't have to do all of the things that the Word of God said that had to be done because it was fulfilled in Christ. Why were they sacrificing a lamb every year just merely pushing back sin? It was waiting for the lamb to come and be sacrificed. So the cross scene is our sacrifice. The work has been 
done. There's no longer a ceremonial law. We can even say, thank God, that the judicial law of the Old Testament doesn't apply to us because none of us would be here. We would all be murdered. Adulterers. What was the, what was the penalty for adultery? Stoning. Murderers. What was the penalty? Stoning. Right? Hey, bearing false witness against your brother, what was the penalty? Stoning. It was pretty hardcore in the judicial system, all of it being fulfilled in Christ. No longer, he says, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, right? In the Beatitude. You've heard it said an eye for an eye, but now I say, right? He, he's even before his death is, is moving us past this old covenant and into the new covenant of grace, this new covenant of mercy, this new covenant of love. We treat everyone the same across the board. And believe me, it's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. Especially those, especially those who mean to wrong you. You treat them with love and respect. The world has a saying, you know, to get respect, show respect. Right. But what do we do if we're not shown respect? Guess what, Christian? We show respect. Even if it isn't reciprocal, I give out. We are in the service of giving. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Right. All of these things that we know, I'm not I'm not blazing any new trails here. But the word of God, as we will see, is pretty evident in the life of a true believer, whether or not you are a believer, it's how you love. It's how you love. First John, and we'll read in, in chapter 4, there's, there's so many tests in First John that says, if you do this, you're a believer. If you do this, you're a believer. If you do this, you're not a believer, right? All of these things, all the way through it is this theme of love. All the way through it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, why? Why does the Apostle Paul take a whole chapter and just talk about love? And guess what? It don't stop in 13. It actually starts in chapter 12 and goes through chapter 14. Why? Because it, this is what we do. This is how we change the world. You want to know how I make a difference in my life? You want to know how I make a difference in my community? You want to know how I make a difference in my church? I love that's it. How do, how do I show people in my workplace that Jesus is real? Love. How do I show people in my schoolhouse that, that something has happened to me that I'm, I'm different? We act different. We love different. When people mean to spit in our face, we smile and pray for that person. And it's not a prayer like, Lord, strike them down. <laughs> but it's, Lord, reveal to them. And even more than that, the Word of God would even go a step further than that and says that we are to be thankful when we're persecuted. The prayer should come from the inside of us out, Lord, thank You for counting me worthy to suffer as You have suffered. What does that do to your enemy? How many has ever dealt with a bully? Well, yeah. How many has ever dealt with somebody in the workplace or, or your neighbor who just is just out to get you? Just for no apparent reason. Just, I don't like you, and I don't care if you like me, I'm out to get you. 
What, what is it that takes the, the wind out of their sails? It's when they come at you and they want, they want to get that reaction, right? I know exactly what button to press. I'm going to press on Scott and he's going to lash out, right? They have all of this figured out and they're just waiting for us to lash out so they can play the victim and go, oh, I can't believe that he would treat me that way. You're supposed to be a Christian. But then when you don't, when you keep your mouth shut, when you act like Christ, when you just take it, and none of this sounds right, right, as, as a human, right? I, I, I should be able to lash out. I should be able to stand my ground. I'm not saying for anybody to be ran over, but it, it is a huge offense to this world when you love them the right way. But what seems to happen, almost as if God has ordained it this way, is it puts a thought in the head of that person. Why did they not act the way I wanted them to act? Point in case this morning or this week, almost as if, as if God knew I was going to need an example for this morning, uh, we get sent out to a, a potential leak in the system, and uh, a couple of us go. Uh, a few days pass, and uh, we're not able to find evidence that it is our leak. There's, uh, believe it or not, a Vols water system kind of runs down 115. They actually have a well, and, and it pumps to to a Vols. So sometimes um, we get unchlorinated water. None of this matters. But anyway, the first person that went uh, said we can't really tell that it, it's our leak. We're gonna have to wait a little bit for it to show itself. And and the guy got really mad. He called several times. The next day, all of us went out, put more eyes on it, and uh, it ended up being our problem. So, so the following day, we put in an emergency locate. But the day when we all got there, we didn't even open the truck doors. This guy was already yelling. Like, he was mad. He's just mad at the world, uh, berating us, calling us names calling us lower than dogs, telling us we didn't know how to do our job, yada, yada. I mean, you just, you just go down the line. It was just, it was very emotionally raking, right? It was just horribleness all the way around. And, and what I found was that you could tell in the eyes of us, we all wanted to say something, right? The, the flesh in me was like, I'm about to tell this dude to Go go catch another gear. Go do something, right? You get away from here. But but we didn't. We all kept our mouth shut. We did what we needed to do, and we marked everything up, and we, we left. We got out of there. Now, you have to step back, and you have to look in the spiritual. There's two pastors in the community there. There's another Christian who's, who's well-known in the community, and this guy obviously doesn't have a spiritual bone in his body, and and it's just his spirit, right? What does the Word of God say? We don't fight flesh and blood. We are warring against spirits, against powers, against principalities of the air, right? We, we are at war. Our spirit that God has given us is at war. The Bible would say at enmity against the spirit of this world. And we don't even have to know each other to hate each other spiritually. It's just a wall sometimes. And it didn't take very long for us two pastors and the one Christian to understand 
what was going on. And it's just better to be quiet and take it. Now, after we left, we got back to the shop and we looked around. We vented to each other, right? Nothing wrong with that. But as we were venting, I realized my thoughts were impure. And, and the Lord began to deal within me. You know, you did the right thing, but now you get no benefit of it. You, you, did, you did the right thing, and you fought the spiritual war, but now your blessing is gone. Because in my mind, in my thoughts, I was praying vengeance. I was praying, Lord, did you not just see what happened to us? Why would you let that? All of these things started flooding into my mind. And just as quick as they got there, the, the conviction come and I prayed, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the scripture come to me in my spirit saying to not meet evil with evil. We had did that physically, but spiritually I was murdering that man. I'm, I'm here this morning and I'm just telling you how, like it is. In my mind, the Word of God says it would have been better for me just to hit him in the face because I was not right in my spirit. It would have been better for me to be real with the man and say, I have a problem with you, right? Because I did what I knew to do was good, but where nobody could see, I did what I knew was not right. Thank God for conviction. Thank God for repentance. And the, the word come to me says, don't meet evil with evil, but meet evil with good. And just as fast as that come, my spirit said, that's not just physical. That's not just physical. See, I can keep my mouth shut, which is hard a lot of times, but we can do it. But I can, I can have unfiltered thoughts the whole time. Right? I cannot be saying things to you, but I can be saying things to you. We have to understand that as a Christian, this isn't a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And to love somebody the way the Word of God says to love is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. Oh, it manifests in the Spirit. Sacrifice is sacrifice, right? We give up time, we give up money, we give up all of these things. But if your spirit ain't right, the Word would say none of it matters. None of it matters. I can give all of my time to charity. I can give all of my money to the church. I can do all of the right things. And if my heart isn't right, none of it matters. You don't believe me? Read 1 Corinthians 13. None of it matters. I have faith to move mountains. Like I look at that mountain and say, be gone. And the mountain's like, Pfft. it's just a prairie there. But I don't love my neighbor. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I could sing the best note. I can, I can speak the best tongue. I can prophesy as if God himself is standing here. But if I don't love you, it doesn't matter. I know this is a hard saying this morning, but I want us to be encouraged because God has given us the ability to do what this Word has, says we need to do. And when we don't do it, He's given us conviction. See, I, 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 didn't, I didn't let it linger 
and I'm not packing myself on the back, but I've done been in this situation and I understand that if I let it linger, it's a problem. I did the offense. I, I, I didn't do what I knew was right. I've sinned against God. I need to repent. Just repent. Be humble enough to say, I'm wrong. You're right. I'm sorry. And the peace comes back. That's what Paul is saying here. First, don't, don't burden yourself with things that are unbiblical. And then... To apply that, don't burden yourself with not doing what is biblical. That's, that's the whole book of Galatians. But we're going to finish off doing what is biblical, right? We've talked about what isn't biblical, what isn't covenantal, what isn't under the new covenant of grace, and now we've transitioned to what is. And it's so freeing. Chapter 5, verse 1, we've been freed for freedom's sake. Just love. That's all he asked for us to do. Take suffering and love people. You're like, oh my Lord, what? Yes. But never forget, child of God, you have the ability to do that now. I couldn't do that before. Before my salvation, a year ago, I couldn't do that as well as I should be able to do it now. A year from now, I should be able to take a tongue lashing and not have a horrible thought. Will I? We'll see a year from now. But I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So just as He convicted me the other day for it, if I fall again in that same sin, guess what's going to happen? Conviction. Guess what's going to be available to me? Repentance. Guess what's going to happen to this Christian? I'm going to grow a little bit more. I'm going to realize yet again, here I stand, and I'm not as good as I should be. There's still work to be done in my life. Paul quotes here uh, Jesus, who is quoting Leviticus, right? who says, you shall... Love your neighbor as yourself. It's also in Deuteronomy where, where Moses just basically gives it all to him yet again. Like it's, his, it's his will and testament, if you will. He, he knows his time is, is coming and he's writing all this stuff out to him. But he quotes Leviticus, You'll love your neighbor as yourself. The brilliance of this command, it's obvious. It assumes that we love ourselves in the sense that we know how we ought to be treated. Do you love yourself enough to respect yourself enough to want respect? Right? It's assuming the sense that I like me. Right? And, and I may not like parts of me, but I still like me. We would all be liars if we said I didn't like myself, right? I still feed myself. I clothe myself. I try and pre present myself as well as I can, right? I, I woke up this morning and I shaved and I took a shower and I washed my hair and, 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 and all of that was to look good and smell good for y'all. And, and You know, I have enough respect in myself to, to, to treat myself just a little bit, you know, to some water on my body. 
There are some people who, who don't have that respect for themselves, and, and it's hard to love others if you can't even love yourself. But as a Christian, at least in the nature of us, we like ourselves. right? And I think a lot of myself, almost too much sometimes. I'm very prideful, very haughty. I fall often. It assumes that we know how, at least in a sense, how others should be treated. And the application to that is then we turn around and we treat those like we would treat ourselves. Okay? So what does that mean? Well, it starts to really make a lot of sense in the rest of the Word of God that says if somebody comes to you and they're thirsty, what would you do if you were thirsty? You would find a drink, right? So give them drink. The cool thing about this commandment is it doesn't say who the person is. It says a person. It doesn't say your, your bestest family member. It doesn't say your closest church friend. It says person. It says if they're hungry, would you, would you give them a rock? No. If I'm hungry, I'm going to find something to eat. So if somebody comes to me and they're starving and they're hungry, I feed them. If it's cold and I need a jacket and somebody comes to me and says, hey, I need, I need clothing, we give them clothing. We treat others as we would like to be treated. We treat others the way the Word of God would say we treat others. Moreover, we treat our enemies as if they were friends. Now this doesn't mean that the Bible says we are to mark those and if there's people who are out to get you or, or you have tried to reconcile with and, and they will not reconcile, right? We mark those people and we understand, but you still love that person. Are you praying for those who you've marked? Go on YouTube, there's, there's channel after channel after channel of people marking people false prophets and false teachers and this and that and all this. Be careful how you do that. Be careful. But all these people that these people are marking, do they turn around and pray for those people? Because that's how we should. We should do. Especially those who are outside of the faith. Moreover, those who are wolves in sheep's clothing, pray that God does a work in their life, whatever that is. We pray for our enemies. That's how we fight. That's how we fight. I had to stop and pray for that man. Really, really pray for the man. And here's what happened. We all gathered around. I sent him a text message. of uh, We were all standing together, not saying anything, and the Lord's just ripping me apart, and, and scriptures are coming to me, and I... I just copy and paste the scripture from Bible Gateway and I just tell them what's on my heart and uh, I send it out and I, I just looked up and I said, hey, the Lord's convicted me. I want y'all to share in my misery. Read it when you will, right? But what we did was we come together and we prayed. The next day when we went to do the job, guess what happened? That guy who come out, who was berating us, who was calling us lower than dogs, who said we didn't know how to do our job, all of those things, right? Who said, just don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I can dig a better hole than you can. All this stuff, right? He come out and he had a Coke in his hand and he, he said, gentlemen, I need to apologize. 
Yesterday I was mad and I took it out on y'all. You know what we did? Apology accepted. Let bygones be bygones. You know what? You had a bad day. We could see that. We're sorry if we caused any offense, even though we didn't. And we were able to do the job, and he thanked us at the end, and everything was fine. Everything was okay. God did the work. All we did was love. And what did that look like for that situation? To love that man properly was to not say a word to him. Was to not just not do nothing. Like avert eye contact, don't, don't do anything. And it ate on him all night long. Now he blamed his wife. His wife, he said his wife got on to him and told him to apologize. But we know, we know better than that. The Word of God says if we don't meet evil with evil but meet it with good, that we heap coals on their head. And we like to take that and we're like, yeah, vengeance. That's not what that scripture is talking about. What that scripture is talking about is lighting a fire into the life of that unbeliever, setting a spark, a thought, to make them at least step back and go, that person didn't interact the way he should have interacted. Why? We have no idea, and this is what I told the people, we have no idea what God is going to do in that man's life. And it may have been just because we didn't argue. We have no idea what God is doing in the lives of the people who we interact with. What we do know is that we love. We love. Why? So 1 John chapter 4 7 through 8, this is the Apostle John, the beloved, right? He's the loved one of Christ. That's what he's known for. So we should probably listen to him. He says a lot, thing, a lot of things about love, but this is what he says, beloved. So first he calls us, right? He's talking to the church. He says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Where's love from? God. Why? And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And then verse 8. Ooh, verse 7 is good. Right? You're like, all right. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. How many has ever quoted God is love? Right? You can. You can raise your hand. We say that all the time. God is love. That's in verse 8. That's a warning before that God is love, so you must love if you know God, right? So if you don't love your enemy, or we'll put it this way, because I didn't love him the right way. I got convicted. If you're able to not love your enemy and still live unfazed, you don't know God. That's not Pastor Scott. That's Apostle John. That's Bible. We'll read it again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When Jesus, if, if the Apostle John wasn't good enough for you, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He responded, like this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. So if John the Beloved, who laid in the bosom of Christ, 
wasn't enough. Let's listen to the words in red. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. So he doesn't say that there's a number one and there's a number two. If you actually break apart the Greek, right, and we don't have time to do a, a word study and all that stuff, but you remember when he said, me and the Father are one, same language here. So he's saying the first commandment is you love God with everything that you are, right? And the second is the same as the first. That's what he's saying. You can't separate them. You can't love God and not love others. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Pastor Scott, how do you understand all that? Verse 40. Just read your Bible, folks. On these two commandments pretend, uh, depend the whole law and the prophets. Everything that's said in the Old Testament depends on that. Love God and love your neighbor. And if we'll flip them, the way you love your neighbor is how you love God. That, that, that is the fulfillment of the law, Paul says. If you love correctly, you know God correctly. And you're, then you want to step back and go, ha, ah, don't love people like I'm supposed to. Do you feel some way about it? When you don't do, when you don't love like you're supposed to, does it hurt? Well, then be encouraged, Christian. You love God. You love God. We're just in 1 Corinthians 13 that says we do things dimly. And we're going to continue to do things dimly until the perfect comes, until we're fully glorified. I deal with me. And I don't love like I'm supposed to. But God doesn't let me sit in it. That's the whole key. What's the application to this morning? Are you able to sit in your sin? You have a problem. You have a problem. Is God dealing with you in your sin? Thank God. Thank God you're being sanctified. You've had a moment when you was justified. You are saved. You're just being saved right now because you will be saved if you persevere. If you're able to practice sin, if you're able to live in sin and it doesn't bother you, it doesn't phase you, you don't know God. You need to. And here's the glorious part. You can. You can this morning. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't, I don't get nothing you say. <laughs> like, I don't, it's just these hands in the world, right? You need, you need to check yourself. You need to come under the blood of Christ because he's already fought the war and won. He's, he's already fought for us. We just strive to the end. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Paul expands on this thought that he has in Galatians. He says the same thing in Romans. He goes from a, a general proposition of the verse in Galatians to 
the accomplishment of the action. So let's read Romans 13, 8 and 10. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. That's just what we read, right? In Galatians. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover, uh, covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. That, that's it. What does it look like to be a Christian? To fulfill the law. What does that look like? Love? Just treat people right? Is that too much to ask? But yet sometimes it's the most difficult to do. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're fought so hard in our spirit just to act Christ-like? Because that's how the world knows. It's literally what the Bible says. It's through His gospel. It has the power of salvation in it. It's through his mouthpieces, it's through his hands and through his feet. And it's the church that does Christ-like things that causes a world to look at us differently. But if we act like the world, what do they see? We don't really shine a big light, right? If we're bickering and complaining and, and can't really get along and we're quick to lash out and quick to hold grudges and angry all the time and we just give the world what they expect. They've grown up with spiritual blinders on their eyes, the Word of God says, and all they know is what they know. And what they know is evil. So whenever they pay out evil, what do they expect? Evil. But when they pay out evil, and what they get is the grace of God given back to them, that makes them very, very angry. I'm going to let you know that right now. They lash out even harder. But what they're really doing is consuming themselves. And you heap coals on their head, and they burn in fury because they, you're not acting like you should. And that makes them angry because then they start to realize you're different than me. Right? Suffer. Take it. Be willing to just let them. And God's going to do a work. If nothing else, if nothing else, they have no excuse and you grow in maturity. If nothing else, you step out in faith and you're like, Lord, I really want to punch this guy in the face. But I'm not. Help me. I need you right now. Right? Like we pray that all the time. Lord, be with me in my day. I need you now. Like I need you to bind my hands because this is not good. Right? I need you to close my mouth, to seal my mouth with the sear of iron. I need you to stop me because I can't. I want to so bad. I see the smirks. I, it, this, is, this hits home because we deal with this every day. Be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. He let people murder him, and he didn't say a word. He didn't say anything. What did he say? 
forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I want to finish. I want to finish by reading 1 Corinthians, the first seven verses. And I want that to sit on us, sit on our hearts as we go out, because this is, this is a Christian life. We read this a lot for weddings and, and things, and it, don't get me wrong, it applies. The Word of God is applicable in so many different ways. But this is a Christian life. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to let y'all, if y'all have your Bibles, turn there. I want y'all to see this. <clears throat> 13 verses 1 through 7 says this, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, is not jealous, love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. That was my test. That was my test. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. That's our test does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In order to grow, we must unite. We must unite. In order to heal, we have to communicate. In order to live, we have to love. To be a Christian is to love each other first, to bind together first, to heal in communication first, to love first. And if we can't love each other, we know. We know we're not loving the lost. How can we be a light when it's covered in hate? Think, think on this. Just, just think on this. How can we be a light if it's covered in hate when we're hiding behind dissension and fear? We must come together or we're going to fall. That's what the Word would tell us. Heed the words of 1 John and, and assess your own heart. Because here's the thing about loving somebody properly. It's a you thing. It's, it's completely on you. Because if I don't love you properly, you still have to love me properly. And if you don't love me properly, I still have to love you properly.
properly. One of us has to be in the Spirit. Because if not, we fight. Right? We fight. Is there love there for your God, for your brother, for your sister? I beg you this morning to, to make amends where there needs to be one. To forgive where there needs to be forgiveness. To pray where there needs to be prayer. To go to that one. It's just us here this morning. Go to the one that has offended you and talk. Not in a defensive way, not in a humble way. Whether you are the offender or the offended. Communicate. Talk. God will do a work. That's all He asks is that we love each other. And He gives us the ability to do that. Especially in those moments where we need it. Hurt feelings, ill will, are they worth the price of your soul? I'm hurt. My feelings are hurt. I don't feel good. Is it is it worth admittance to heaven? Because the Word of God says exactly that. You have to know God to gain admittance. God has to know you to gain admittance. He says if you don't love, He doesn't know you. 1 Corinthians 1-7 through echoes Matthew 7. says that the in, in those days, many are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not do miracles? Did we not have great faith? Did we not give to the poor? You can add any work you want to. Did we not do all these things? And did we not do them in your name? And Jesus is going to look at them and say, I don't know you. I don't know what you did. I don't care what you did. I don't know you. Depart from me. You who almost got it right. No, that's not what it says. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Listen, if we don't love, we're nothing. Nothing. Is it worth the price of your soul to go to the grave with bitterness? It's not. It's not. Is it worth the price of another person's soul to harbor bitterness? No. No. My heart breaks this morning because I fail in this. Me. When I finish this and we open up the altars, I'm going to go to the one who I've hurt. And I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Because she deserves it. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you. Lord, for the ability to know your heart. Lord, for the ability to walk in your statutes and your commandments. Lord, and even though we fail miserably. Lord, that you won't leave us alone. That you continue to mold us. 
Lord, in your hand, making us more and more into the image of your Son. Lord, I ask this morning that you give us the boldness to be humble. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what we need. Oh, we need to humiliate ourselves before you, Lord, so that we can grow. Lord, I ask this as we open these altars, Lord, that you move. You move on us in a mighty way. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen.